On this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast, we are speaking with Adrian Haynes, an attorney and businesswoman who specializes in helping entrepreneurs develop sustainable infrastructure and business practices. She is the managing partner of Seed Law, a boutique business law firm, and owner of Seed Collective, a consultancy. Haynes is speaking with the Northeast News regarding a community innovation district pilot program that aims to model community design and community-led economic development, a process driven by community members, both residents and entrepreneurs, to identify, engage, and cultivate new and emerging areas for growth and innovation. In the pilot program, the process will be held by a community council, a curated group of 7 to 15 members that either live, play, work, or worship in the community. Each council will engage in a process to create a customized innovation model. All right, so let's go ahead and get started here. Um, Let's talk a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of your background, who you are, what you do in Kansas City. Sure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, my name is Adrian Haynes. I am an entrepreneur and attorney here in Kansas City. I've been here since 2010, which somehow feels like just yesterday. Um, so today I run a, a few businesses here. So I have a law firm called Seed Law, which mm-hmm. is a business law firm. Uh, and we f- really focus just on helping entrepreneurs develop a firm foundation for their businesses. Um, I also have a consultancy. So I operate as a business coach and I also mm-hmm. do some small business program design. That's actually where this project came from. I am the president of the Multicultural Business Coalition. Mm -hmm. So we are a collective of nonprofits that really are just focused on helping support a healthy, diverse, thriving business community here in Kansas City and a few other things, but those are the big ones. So all the things you (laughs) are doing today. (laughs) You see why I needed some coffee before we start. (laughs) Yes, and I'm happy to make that for you. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. And I'm just excited to talk about this. This is specifically going to be something for our Northeast community. Um, So let's talk talk a little bit about this. this is a community innovation district. So I kind of want to get the nuts and bolts and um, talk to us a little bit about what that is and really how it got started. Sure. I'll start from the beginning. Okay. So one of the great projects I've been able to work on here in Kansas City was the Blue Hills Contractor Incubator. Mm-hmm. It is located on 50th and Prospect in the Blue Hills neighborhood. So not in the Northeast, but still a fantastic neighborhood in KC. And I was running an incubator for construction companies. And so an incubator is resources and business support all in one space. So classes, support, space for a business to really get off the ground. That was a wonderful project. We had really great economic gains and benefits for the companies that were there. Lots of jobs created. But one of the challenges that we faced because we were a small team was the outreach required to even talk to our neighbors to say, do you have a job? Do you have a business that you need support with? And so as I embarked on this project as an innovator in residence at the Kauffman Foundation, I just was reflecting on my experiences here in Kansas City, being able to run that fantastic project, being able to work on an urban core estate planning project with legal aid, just seeing the power of the neighborhood in our society and how we can do a better job really just, you know, cultivating what we have if we work together. And so I was really in pursuing, you know, and really reflecting back on these experiences, I came across something called an innovation district that the Brookings Institute has put out lots of research on. And innovation districts are defined really just as geographic areas where anchor institutions 
educational institutions and companies would cluster in one area, usually about a mile radius, and intentionally connect with startups, businesses, and accelerators. And as I was exploring these innovation districts, you know, the hindsight reports of what they were creating were the things that our neighborhoods also needed and that I could see a real opportunity for. Tax revenues that could benefit the neighborhood, um, you know, revenues that could go back into an educational system for the youth of the community. And so, of course, these sound like wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And another interesting thing in that research was that 45% of these districts across the country are located in or near distressed communities. Well, those are the communities that I'm from, the communities Mm -hmm. that I do most of my work in and that most of my clients are from. And so it was really there that I began to see how can we connect these dots to use what these really beneficial innovation districts have created and generate for the benefit of our neighborhoods and communities. I really feel like with the right mix of tools, access, resources, and support, our communities can create our own solutions. And the reason why that's important is because in addition to that hindsight research that said where these districts were located, it also said that about 60% of the jobs created in these districts don't require advanced degrees. Long story short, that's how the idea for a community innovation model came about. Um, So I'm very fortunate to be an innovator in residence at the Kauffman Foundation. My challenge with or what I'm tasked with as an innovator in residence is to create a project that can have a systemic solution that addresses several different challenges that I've seen in my work and create, could create a solution. This community innovation design model pilot program really allows residents and communities to go through the same process that folks would go through to create an innovation district but through the lens of how can we do this to benefit our neighborhoods. So that was going to be one of my questions was the main, the heart and the goal of these is to, I think you just said it, to equip neighborhoods to help themselves. So in each neighborhood, we're really asking four questions. We're asking, what can we do today with what we have? How can we activate our underestimated or underused assets to elevate our overall community wealth? How can we use what we learn to accelerate innovation in our neighborhood? And how can we own what we have and what we'll create? Because the systemic challenge that I'm looking at through this pilot program is how can we look generational poverty square in the eye and create a solution based on what we already have? But it requires us to know one another. It requires us to care a lot. Mm. And it requires us to work together really diligently over time. And so this pilot program, it's nine months. It's one meeting a month. They're two-hour meetings. But they take place in the neighborhood. They take place in people's homes. And the pilot program is a series of workshops that help people uncover these questions and create solutions together. That really sounds amazing. And I am excited to see that happen in the Northeast. I'm so grateful to be doing it in the Northeast because I'm also a resident of the Northeast. Mm -hmm. I'm in Columbus Park. And yeah, so I'm grateful to be doing it right here in my own neighborhood too. That's awesome. So one of my questions is how do you determine who sits on that community council? So A really important part of the design for me was that the folks who created the solutions came from the community. Um, So in each of the neighborhoods, the community councils are the folks that will run the pilot program. And the community council is a curated group of 7 to 15 people who either work, live, play, worship, 
or own in the neighborhood that are willing to go through the process. So in each of the neighborhoods that we've reached out to, including the Northeast, we have kind of a key partner. So the Northeast Kansas City Chamber of Commerce has agreed to lead the pilot program. And what we're trying to do in the Northeast is to find folks that You know, we want to find a business and a property owner from each neighborhood that touches Independence Avenue that would be willing to go through this process because the district that we're considering here in the Northeast is Independence Avenue from Forest to 435. And really we'll be asking the question, what do we see for Independence Avenue 20 years from now? Mm -hmm. And what do we need to do today to answer those questions that I posed earlier? So how can people, let's say they're interested if they own a business or they live, work, and play, would they contact the chamber? How would they do that? They would. So Bobby and the team are Mm -hmm. responsible for compiling a list. Um, And then the mixer that we have will be really just a a one-on-one with me, an opportunity to really share the background and the purpose and the outline of the pilot program and to get commitments. So speaking specifically about the Northeast, what are some of the assets that you see that we already have that we could build upon? Absolutely. That's a great question. So one of the things that's interesting and unique about this pilot program is that we're looking at asset mapping a little bit differently than what's been the normal process for neighborhood planning. So there is an organization called WealthWorks. They put out something called a framework called the Eight Capitals of Wealth. These eight capitals look at seven different types of capital besides financial that communities might have. And so in each of the communities, we are doing asset mapping through that lens. So the capitals that we're considering when we're looking at asset mapping, we're looking at individuals. So who is in the Northeast and how can we use who we have here to benefit our long-term future? We're looking at intellectual capital. So what is the measure of the existing stock of knowledge that we have here? Our resourcefulness, what's already going on here that's going really well? We're looking at cultural assets. So what are the traditions that exist on the avenue? What are the customs that are represented in this region? We're looking at natural assets. So what are the really existing stock of natural resources? We're looking at social assets or what is the measure of relationship and trust that we have here in the Northeast and how do we measure that? What are the entities and organizations that bring us together? We're looking at built assets. What's the infrastructure of the Northeast look like as it relates to our you know, sewer systems, roads, etc.? course, we're looking at financial. What is the existing stock of monetary resources available here? And also, lastly, political. So what is the measure of the existing stock of goodwill and influence that we have here in the Northeast that we can use to benefit? So when we're looking at asset mapping in all of the communities, we're looking through a a wide, wide range. Mm -hmm. We're looking, we're asking the community council to develop that list together. We'll map those assets and then really go through a very diligent process to say, How can we use our most highly ranked assets to benefit maybe our underused or underutilized assets? A person who's been in a neighborhood for 25 years has a really deep understanding of the assets that exist today, those that existed in the past. And every council that we put together has a really beautiful diversity of ethnicity, of course, age, type of ownership, history in the neighborhood. So I think that there's there is an overwhelming amount of assets in the Northeast. And I think as a community, the one of the best parts about this process is that we'll be able to uncover what those are together. So one that I can think of personally is just the incredible diversity that we have in the Northeast. I mean, and that honestly spans, like you talked about social and you talked about cultural and you talked about individuals. I feel like that 
diversity piece really blankets all of that. Absolutely. So if you take that one piece, like let's say I brought that to you and I was just like, hey, this is one asset is diversity. What would you do with that in the pilot program? Sure. So what we're asking in the pilot program is for each of the assets, each of the modules also has a focus on one of these capitals. That's a hard thing to answer because we're not like pulling each individual asset, but we're Mm -hmm. looking at the assets collectively. So we have a three level asset map that we've done, and Mm -hmm. then we're actually creating maps so that residents can say in a very visual way, here's the underutilized assets in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then really spend some time and say, as a council, what can we, what do we want to do with that? Is that a priority for us right now? Uh, is there an asset like diversity that we can use to better elevate our use of shared natural environmental spaces? The eight capitals of wealth is a framework that has a lot of different resources for how people can use their assets once they've outlined what those are. Um, and it, through the pilot program, what we'll be doing is once the map is created, mm-hmm. I think we get a different view of our neighborhood. We're able to look at our neighborhood in a more, I think, comprehensive and robust way. But if we really sit and think critically about our communities, perhaps we are more connected and more diverse and stronger than we realize. Yeah. And then I think we can then think about solutions for our communities with that lens. So that's what I'm hoping. The purpose of the pilot program is for communities to be able to understand their neighborhoods in a deeper way. Because when you think about innovation districts, which is really where this started, you have external parties with lots of wealth coming in and saying, hey, this is a community that's primed to be a place where we can create innovation. But in hindsight, the people that live there are left out of the innovation. Mm -hmm. So this process is designed to allow the community to lead that charge, to say, what do we have here? And and based off of what we have, how can we increase the amount of innovation? But each community will create their own solution. Yeah. So I'm also really excited to see what people come up with. Yeah. And I can see that. I can see how it's hard to see, to say what would exactly come out of it because that's the whole point of the program. Right. That <laughs> so. is the, it's, it's interesting because that's the essence of a pilot program. You know, we're trying this out to say we're, We're just embarking on a journey together as community members to say, I care enough about you and about our neighborhood to to envision what it might be 20 years from now and to take an active analysis at my role Mm -hmm. in making that a reality. And I think that in itself is really powerful. So let's say you have this council, we have these maps created, we've gone through all of the steps and we know what our assets are and we have these ideas what's next how would you say okay concept to completion especially with a piece of funding or is the council going to be responsible for reaching out to get the funding for these projects or what does that look like those are great questions so the pilot program is nine months so it's almost a year of a process that we'll be going through together Um, It's nine different meetings, and Mm -hmm. the initial meetings of the council are exploring those questions we've just gone over. What do we have? Who are we? What do we want to do? What do our maps look like? Mm -hmm. Around the fifth or sixth module, we begin asking external partners to come in. Now we have decided as a council, here are our assets. Here's what we have. Here are our priorities. Even if it's not something, you know, not a very narrow list, it's at least saying here's how we can use our elevated assets to perhaps elevate those that are underused. Then about the fifth module, we start bringing in other partners. So through that lens, we'll be looking at the capitals. So about that time, we'll be looking at the built environment. So neighborhoods will be saying, okay, based on the assets that we have, 
How can we use what we have to perhaps reduce blight, improve storefronts? It depends on, of course, the priorities of that neighborhood because Independence Avenue is the most commercial district in the pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the analysis here will be similar to questions about that maybe a CID would be asking. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's doubly exciting that the chamber is participating because they've led that process already. And I think this will be most impactful when we already have that depth of relationship with folks. Um, So we'll, towards the end of the pilot, start bringing in external partners to say, how can we now leverage the assets that we've uncovered for the benefit of our our neighborhoods? So this is a nine-month program. Would you encourage the council to continue the work after the pilot is done? And you kind of, I don't know how that works if you move on to a different district or what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to give my classic lawyer answer, which I love, is which is it, it really does depend. Yeah. So, for instance, we're working with the historic Northeast Midtown Association in mm-hmm. KCK, Kansas City, Kansas. Let me say it right for the radio. <laughs> uh, for In Kansas City, Kansas. And they've just gone through a very extensive planning process. So they're going through the pilot program with the hope of, okay, we've already done this extensive planning process. Now, how can we use our expanded view of assets to really create strategic action items based on these already decided areas? Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to see as well. Yeah. We'll be bringing in external partners who can help the neighborhood based on what the priorities that are elevated in the pilot, they can help them move forward. Yeah. So we will have a session on how do we fund community initiatives and efforts. In that same session, we'll be bringing in Um, external partners who want to help neighborhoods understand financial literacy and access to capital. So the one thing I will also say about the pilot program is each of the pilot modules are full of external partners who want to use their resources to also benefit a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I think that's my fun role in this is to really be able to be a connector. Yeah, absolutely. From what I'm hearing, I, I think it's building upon what the neighborhood already has. Absolutely. But has this ever brought in new business to the area? Let's say some neighborhoods say, oh, I see that this is a gap and this would be a great space to fill, filling that gap, but yeah, we absolutely. need to create a new business for that. Have you ever seen that happen? No, but I'm hopeful that our maps will reveal that. Mm-hmm. Because when we're thinking about communities being self-sufficient, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think when we look at a map and say, okay, here's the spread of businesses that we have here. And based on these eight capitals of wealth, here are the types of businesses that might be most successful to help increase the amount of innovation that's happening here already. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hopeful for that. Okay. And one of the um, exciting byproducts of the process is a really robust directory of businesses that already exist in a district. That in itself is powerful because what if we look at that lens and we say, okay, let's create a job board for all the businesses that that have vacancies on Independence Avenue. Mm -hmm. How might that benefit the Northeast? Okay. That is a part of a circular economy, keeping money in the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. allowing opportunities to go towards the residents. That's what an innovation district would do. And that's what I think that communities can do. It really is an intentional process. Mm -hmm. It's more than waving at our neighbor on the way to work. It requires us to sit down with one another, to work with one another, to know one another, to co-lead modules together. Uh, In Washington Wheatley, the meetings are taking place in the home 
uh, one of the residents that's on the community council. Mm -hmm. The food every time we meet is cooked by a caterer who participates mm -hmm. on the community council. Awesome. And people are able to bring their families. We're meeting in the evening at a time that works best for them. And so I'm not a member of Washington Wheatley's neighborhood, but what will happen in their neighborhood once the pilot is over? Perhaps they'll keep meeting and keep doing dinner together. Yeah. And that's also what this is about. It's deepening relationship so that we can see our communities 20 years from now. That's amazing. I know. I'm really excited. Yeah. It's a great group of folks, but I'm not surprised when I meet wonderful people from Kansas City yeah. and in our neighborhoods. It's just that we need more opportunities to be able to do that. So how was the Northeast chosen? I was first working in one neighborhood. And then what I did was I just opened it up to, I said, okay, I have space for three to five neighborhoods who would be interested or communities mm -hmm. who would be interested in going through the process. And I know Miss Bobby Baker, I think she's done fantastic work in the, in the Northeast already. Um, and I asked her if she thought that the Northeast would be open to going through this pilot program. She said she thought so. So we met with that larger group that Michael was uh, in that meeting. And then we said, okay, let's put this, let's put the call out to the community and see who might be interested in going through. You know, I live in the Northeast too. So I'm on the other side of the highway, but mm -hmm. I even have neighbors and residents saying, hey, how can I participate? So I'm excited. I think people yeah. want to be engaged in their neighborhood in a way that's really interactive and that helps them see themselves as a part of the future. And to be able to, I mean, what a beautiful question to ask ourselves, what does Independence Avenue look like 20 years from now? And what would it look like if we, for the best vision of Independence Avenue 20 years from now, what do we want for it? And how can we envision that together and mm -hmm. make moves today to create that future? Because that's what it takes. Yeah, It takes a 20 year commitment to our communities every day mm -hmm. <laughs> for us to have those realities. And I want to still be here 20 years from now. So. Right. So you said um, you were in Columbus Park. Yes, ma'am. What neighborhoods are going to make up this program? The district that we're focusing on in the Northeast is all the neighborhoods that touch Independence Avenue from Forest to 435. So that includes Paseo West. On the south side of Independence Avenue, it's Paseo West, Forgotten Homes, Independence Plaza, Lycans, and Sheffield. And on the north side of Independence Avenue, it's Pendleton Heights, Scarrett Renaissance, and Indian Mound. Okay, so that's pretty much fairly the entire Northeast community. <laughs> okay, talking specifically about the community yes. council, what would you say would create a strong backbone of the Innovation District? I think the backbone that already exists on the, on the avenue is what is going to make the community council strong. Mm -hmm. So I really... And working with neighborhoods who I feel like already have really good relationships with one another, but perhaps have, you know, some silos, which happens mm -hmm. in every community. So I think the fact that Independence Avenue is the most diverse business district in Kansas City is the backbone that makes it yeah. very, very attractive for the pilot. And I just allow myself to wonder about the economic power of Independence Avenue if we were to all work together and think about our neighborhood very intentionally. We talked earlier about just connecting job opportunities mm -hmm. to the small businesses that are there. As a small business owner myself, that would be powerful. An internship program where the youth in the community could work in the businesses, those mm -hmm. kind of things. You know, I think that the possibilities are endless for our communities and I think that, once again, given the right mix of tools, access, relationship, um, and support, that we can create our own communities. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, I think this is amazing information. I'm really excited to see this come to the Northeast. 
Uh, do you have like a timeline in mind for when this is going to start? Sure. So we are doing the mixer um, later in April and then the okay. pilot modules will start in May. Okay. So it's a nine month process. So we'll wrap up early 2020 and each of our communities will do a presentation on what they've learned. And there will be pro- opportunities throughout the module for people who are not on the community council to still get engaged with what we're doing and to stay up to date. So it is definitely not like a secret process that nobody else can be a part of. We're just looking for people who are willing to really kind of spearhead, but we want our community to imagine together because it's going to take all of us. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to sharing what we learned. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we might not have discussed or if you want to add anything that's important? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think all the communities that we're in, just the fact that there are community members that say we want to go through this process in itself is really powerful. In the Northeast, I mean, what great diversity. You were right. I think that diversity in itself is really a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. So, but only if we work together to really realize the diversity. If we work in silos and that doesn't, that doesn't count. And that was Adrian Haynes, attorney and businesswoman. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Roscoe. 